0: I didn't see Infinity Wars, did you?
1: I did, pretty recently too.
0: <clears throat> was it worth it? Was it worth all the uh, the memes? Yeah, was it, actually it worth? Was Was it worth Thanos being a character in Fortnite and there being an entire mode around the Infinity Gauntlet? Do you remember that?
1: Um, I I knew he was in there, but I did not know that there was an actual like honest there was to a, goodness mode. But
0: so essentially, what happened is somewhere on the map the infinity gauntlet would drop and then a player would get it and then that player would become thanos so then they could snap and
1: their fingers and wipe out half of the the game randomly
0: a little bit less tame but still pretty slick
1: all right <clears throat> yeah um i know this is a new hard hitting news like our uh viewers love to hear but uh yeah i had recently seen that and it was really good actually it was really good it it tries to do a lot of things and it basically does so. Rats off to you. <clears throat> and there's also a part where uh, Rocket Raccoon and like Winter Soldier are chilling, and that was cool. I laughed at it.
0: It's good stuff. It's
1: good stuff. Big jokes. Definitely some big jokes in that one. The Chris Pratt is in it. You know, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. Um, all your favorite Chrises are basically. It's a vehicle for Chris. It's just a vehicle for do, all the do, different do forms you feel of Chris.
0: Like- do you feel like it's easy to, like, enjoy those Avengers films if you haven't seen uh, the other content in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, can you hop into it without having seen, like, Doctor Strange? Yeah, or, or, like, yeah. I mean, like...
1: he's he's up in the mix, and he's somewhat important. Um, but, uh, I mean, y- like, you don't have to know everything, right? Like, I-, I think I think it would be a little bit weird and random to uh like jump in and and like if you haven't seen like a, a lot of the universe just to watch it and then just who are these guys who's this uh this starman and the talking uh raccoon is there a reason for that and what about the what about this uh this little But sprout? some people
0: are they're going to do that right because yeah. Avengers is like the big one Yeah and I, some people only show up for the big one I think,
1: I think that it would still be enjoyable for, like, the overall writing and the action, but I think you would miss a lot of many things that are probably the best. Like, the interactions, I think, are my favorite part of that movie. And uh, if you didn't have... If you hadn't seen everyone in their kind of individual uh, movies or, their, you know, know them from the comics or anything like that, then I don't think that it's... It's not the whole, the whole thing of like all these different characters colliding in one larger story and all the arcs kind of intertwining is important. And you would never get that if you were just jumping into it, you know, like you could never, you could never have that moment where like Rocket and Winter Soldier are, are, you know, joking around and, you know, there's some funny lines slung between them, but you would just be like, I don't understand. Is there a reason why, mm-hmm. why, said, why this raccoon daughter, speaks?
0: I'd like to make a deal. Yeah. And that's what he says in the in the hit film, uh, Doctor Strange. The big
1: Doctor Strange. The Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. So, uh, you know, I give it two big thumbs up. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the the coin, I recently saw Batman versus Superman. And that's a good, you know, I was watching because my, my partner, my Sunday partner at my job uh we it's been a little bit slow the last couple Sundays so we've gotten a chance to watch a lot of movies and uh we kind of have been like catching up on all the Marvel movies and stuff and finally watched Infinity War um and uh it, it it for a while I was thinking like maybe in my in my old age in my ripe age of 28 I'm just giving everything a pass. Like, it's strange that instead of becoming more critical, I'm starting to, like, accept things that, like, for what they are a little bit more. Like, if I'm, if the, if there's, like, a Marvel movie, like, Infinity War isn't the greatest piece of, like, cinematic history ever, but it's really fun. And, like, it does ably, ably com- combine, like, all these different uh, characters and franchises and do some interesting stuff with it. So it's like, yeah, it's awesome. I had a great time with it. So for a while, I was thinking, like, maybe I'm just becoming, you know, like, desensitized and just thinking everything is like, oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. And then I watched uh, Batman versus Superman, and and uh, I, I still have a critical eye. Still turns out that something can can frustrate me to no end with how that's bad good. it is. Yeah,
0: that's good. I am a little behind on movies. I spend most of my time watching TV. You know what? You watch that
1: Superstore. I know you I know you're into it.
0: You know, I'm I'm phenomenal. past Superstore. I watched it all, and now I'm on Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I like a uh, a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Who's I in that big like game? Uh, that is uh, Alyssa. Help me out here. And Andy Sandberg, who's in that? Andy Sandberg. Who's in the Brooklyn Nine Nine? Who's the Andy Peretti, Sandberg. Chelsea Peretti? Andy. You got a uh, Terry Crews in there and up in the mix. Joe Latruglio from uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the gang's all here in this. Uh, Wait, who is in this comedy who is Joe Latruglio
1: in Wet Hot American Summer?
0: Uh, so, do you remember the guy who's always talking about like how good that other getting, character is, be- bagging girls?
1: Oh, that yeah, yeah, the one the the and that then he eventually friend. saves the the kids from the raft.
0: Yeah, so he's the uh, Joe Latruglio was the one who had like um, a girlfriend from. From, like, far away or something like that. And, like, no one believed him about his girlfriend, and then she came. That might be how the story goes. Either way, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that's a great show. Okay. Highly recommended on Hulu. All All right. Five seasons.
1: Look underneath your your chair. It's right there. Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: I've also been watching Castle Rock. Okay. Is that is a pretty sweet show.
1: Um...
0: Do you know about that one? It's uh, J.J. Abrams and... uh, J.J. Abrams, huh? Who's that guy, Stephen King, and it's in the Stephen King universe. Is there Uh, a connected
1: universe? Is Stephen King doing a Marvel Infinity War style epic?
0: There is. Well, you know that uh, Stephen King in general exists in a connected universe. You Uh, mean he... All of his stories... Okay. All of his stories take place in Maine, and they're all thought to be... Happening in the same universe.
1: Okay. Interesting. That's a really shitty state then, huh?
0: It's miserable in the Stephen King uh, universe.
1: That's a well, it's misery.
0: So Shawshank appears in the show like a lot of the show happens within Shawshank. Uh, They make references to Cujo. They make references to it, you know, through disappearances and newspapers. If you're looking at that stuff, it's uh, a series itself is pretty solid.
1: Wow, that sounds pretty solid. Thank you.
0: That is a that's a Hulu original.
1: I should check it out. Um, Hulu
0: is stepping up its game.
1: Oh yeah, everyone is, I guess, at the same time.
0: What have you been watching?
1: Um I have been watch I mean, I'm I'm still watching a little bit of Superstore, but mostly not really watching anything other than some movies. But that's not what it's about. I don't
0: get down on movies That's not what it's about, man.
1: You know, I'm, Go on. I'm 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 sick of I'm sick of just playing second fiddle. I'm sick of watching things. And this week I took it into my own hands. I want to have interactive experiences, right? I want to be immersed in a world and play a role. Like an escape room? Yeah. Like an escape room, but like maybe inside of a TV or something. I don't even know. In a computer? I was
0: thinking. So like VR?
1: Yeah. Something like that, you know? Like, I, I really just feel like I need a new hobby, uh... Like I need to just be able to, you know, I want to be a, I want to reach in and 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 grab the diabolos by its horns, Gra- you know.
0: Uh, oh, so video games, get to it. What do you got?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know, nothing new. Uh, I, I I've been playing Iconoclasts. Uh, I got I finally got Dead Cells on Switch. I haven't really uh, played that much of it, uh, but I've been playing Iconoclasts, and that's a good. Um, sharply written metroidvania kind of game but uh nothing really like outstandingly new to say about it uh
0: is it good or is it okay
1: it's it feels really good like it it plays excellently well like it plays it's like it like the overall the overall game plays really well it feels good to move around and jump like the you know the jumping feels tight the uh 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 Things and upgrades and stuff I've gotten have been pretty good. The writing is really nice. The writing is really sharp. Love that. Uh, so it's it's really clever, um, and it's pretty. So it's but but I guess the, the thing that is bothering me so far is that just there's there's nothing in particular like if if you have never if you're like itching for a Metroidvania game um, or if like you're you know never played the genre and want to check it out this would be a great place to start but uh, it's not really gonna do anything that new or interesting yet. And it, and it doesn't even seem like, like I, I've i heard it called Metroidvania, but like I, and I'm calling it that now, but I, I'm not really doing much of the, uh, it's more, it's more like narrative focused, it seems like so far. So I'm kind of moving along rather than in a Metroidvania where you kind of, like, I think one of the things I really always like about that genre is becoming like accustomed to the world. It's like, you get to a point where the world is very familiar and you go back and forth and you're returning to the same areas and it gets exciting to return to the same areas with, you know, new upgrades that allow you to, like, look at the world sure. in a different way. But, like, that's not really happening here. Um, and it, that yeah, doesn't have I to mean, be what it's about. But
0: And this is a tough year for Metroidvania because, uh, okay, so the number one best Metroidvania that came out this year, uh, I don't consider Dead Cells, by the way, to be a Metroidvania. I don't either. I it's more of a roguelike. like.
1: Uh, and yeah. that's not really a Metroidvania. Romulana well,
0: too. Is probably the best one. I feel guilt for not having played it, but it's probably the best one. The second best one, and it's not out yet, so it's a little hard to say. But I think Super Smash Brothers is going to be the second best one this year.
1: Oh yeah, I heard. Uh, I heard it's got that
0: Metroid, and it's got Vania.
1: Yeah, they're adding the um, the wrench from Iconoclast in it. Did you hear that?
0: I did hear about that. You know, some uh some videos came out of Gamescom today about um showed off some King K. Rule. That's a pretty sweet looking character.
1: What does he do, James?
0: He's big and fast and he shoots a cannon. He's fast? He's he's much faster than you'd expect.
1: All right. Well then we're trucking forward, but I just don't feel like you know, the way I feel about iconoclasts, like I feel like we're not our heart isn't in it right now.
0: Like, I said everything I had to say about it months ago before I fell off, and then I kind of haven't had any interest in going back to it.
1: I know, but, like, I feel like that's how the podcast is right now. Like, we need something to pep us up. We need something to get us excited.
0: There's not much... I mean, what do you got? You got I don't something? know. I mean, have like, has Root shipped yet? No, it All hasn't. Right. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. It's we're kind a of bad, a sour week.
1: We're in a bad situation here. Um, I mean, my situation could turn up... uh. In a big way, if I had had time to play the Rise of Fenris, the final Scythe expansion, and you're
0: talking a big game about this expansion,
1: I've been excited for it for a really long time. And I'm kind of bummed out that like I got it earlier than I was supposed to get it, I was supposed to get it like tomorrow, I believe, but I got it on Sunday. Um, didn't get a chance to play it Monday, uh, and I've been working uh today. So I really haven't gotten a chance to do anything with it. Um, seems really exciting. Uh, I think that one of the it, it's 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 an interesting concept because it's basically kind of a uh, it's a campaign. It's almost legacy style where there's a lot of secrets um, and that there is campaign style of like you know everything you do is gonna matter. You know in a way like the the uh way you win Scythe is by having the most money, and that sounds weird and simple, but, like, it's uh, this kind of algorithm of how popular you are and how much land you control and your resources and all these other things, like how, ma- how many things you've done to impress people, um, and... A uh, that's so that's money, and then in the Scythe campaign, you can kind of spend that on upgrades, and there's some really cool stuff being foreshadowed. Uh, I think it's something like 11 modules or something that like can all be you know all work with the base game, uh, and you can kind of uh, put them in or out uh, as as you so please. Uh, and people are really excited for this, and then uh, Tom Vassell. Of the Dice Tower said that it was like one of the best expansions ever that he's ever played and like it you know he's been more and more seeming like he's just interested in sites so, so like this yeah. expansion being as good.
0: I, I will say though Tom Vassell kind of a hype man.
1: He is a hype he's man. He's
0: always hyping up everything. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that guy has opinions because recently everything that I've seen him talk about he's, he's just all about. Yeah. This guy's all about everything.
1: Yeah, I wonder I, I feel like um I don't know, board gaming seems to have that worse than uh any any uh industry that I've experienced and I, I guess I, I, I guess I kind of understand why and the answer is like the there is no larger body of like review and The people who are getting a chance to play things early are these, you know, doing it out of their garages for what it seems like for the most part. Like when I look at all like the most popular uh, like like industry pundits kind of uh, a lot of them are very like, you know, recording videos in their own house. Like they don't even have an there's no office. There's no like I'm not seeing like where there's a larger group of like journalists.
0: behind everybody, they're yeah. all just like standing right in front of their collections. Yeah.
1: And um it just it just feels like obviously that they have to have a relationship with the publishers and the game designers to be able to get anywhere. Like if you have a bad relationship or you talk down one of their uh, one of their works, then maybe next time something comes out, they're not gonna send it to you and that's your lifeblood if you're a sure, reviewer yeah. like reviewing out of your home So like it, you know, it's, it's, it's related. It's like tangentially related to like the ways that streamers work, you know, like Twitch streamers like are all about like they they need their, they, they, everything is revolved around them enjoying the thing because they need their audience to uh, want it? Want to consume more on it? So they need to get their audience hyped up and ready to consume more on whatever the product is. And they also need like the big companies to look at them as like, oh, when we, whenever we're going to come out with something, we can look to them as a means of advertisement, advertisement. And it's like a weird uh, symbiotic relationship that kind of ends up hurting the consumers because, like, the consumers have to pay for that. Like it, it's easy for Tom Vassell if he's getting everything free to say that like he played two rounds of like he you know they did the Scythe campaign and it's just like yeah it's amazing go get it absolutely and then like that same week they review five other things and they say yeah it's amazing absolutely go get it like that adds up
0: yeah, that's how and it, it doesn't is. for them. But and that's another thing is that you know a lot of people go to reviews to reinforce their values and most people looking at board games at this point, I don't know where people are in the medium, like, uh, but people in board games are really into new games. Everyone's hungry for new games. And people in board gaming are especially hungry for games that aren't out yet or games they can't buy yet. And, and sure, this translates over to video games, but there's just something about like, of ingesting material that's positive about something that's not out yet to build up hype. And and part of it is the same thing that you said, where people, you know, this is based off small stuff. And you know this, like these small reviewers, I mean. But I've also been thinking about the fact that in the future, in the very near future, 2019 prediction, all of the major video game websites are going to have a section for board games.
1: I could see it, yeah. And then th- th- that's when things will get better, right? Like, if Polygon... Like, Polygon has enough clout anyway that if they talk down on Jamie Stegmaier or something and then he says, like, you know, oh, man, that sucks, they they don't like my, my product, they don't like, you know, Scythe 2, then they still probably, if they're going to have a board game section, they still probably, due to the audience want to yeah. uh you know, have it advertised or reviewed there. Um
0: Yeah, but, I can't wait to see when Tom Vassel gets hired by Polygon next year. Yeah. That'll be I, interesting. Yeah, I mean it would
1: really be the Shut Up and Sit Down boys, right? But uh it's Ooh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. Uh, you don't really like I feel like what gets to the top in board gaming is positivity. And it feels good and bad. Like uh I I don't really hear that much like Negativity even about games, because people just move on. So, so like, you don't... In the way that you would play... That people play video games for 10 billion hours and then hate the hell out of it and then uh, stop enjoying it and still continue to play it and complain about it. Um, With board games, it's not the same because, you know, you need your friends and everything and everyone wants to kind of move on to the next experience when, like, a big new thing comes out that you know has new interesting mechanisms or different interlocking old mechanisms so you don't end up playing something necessarily a billion hours unless you're like loving the hell out of it or it's it's terror mystica or something i don't know um
0: you know and i kind of want to talk about that because i i wanted to bring to the table a real topic this week something we haven't done in a while
1: okay this was kind of a topic that we just did you know just because we was, didn't just because we didn't preface it with like, here's the topic. It was still a topic. Uh, well
0: I want to make but I want to make the podcast have like a, a through line this week. Okay. And so, the thing that I want to talk about, it's sort of twofold because the part one of this discussion, I want to be about why we find board games kind of emerging. And and you know, this is something we've briefly touched on before, but after that, I I want to sort of get your direct experience with it. Talk about why uh, you've transitioned over to board games. And more importantly, I kind of want to talk about what kind of players we each are. Uh Because I think that both for video games and for board games, you and I are different types of people. We're different types of people in the things that we choose to play and different types of people in the way that we play things, the sort of style that we go for. Uh, So I I wanted to start off this week by talking about why board games and why now, because the thing that sort of brought this discussion on to me was on the Reddit for games, uh, not the gaming Reddit, not to be confused with the awful cesspool gaming Reddit, but the games Reddit, uh, one of their top posts this week with like 5,000 upvotes uh, was a list of the top 50... Uh, best new board games, so released in the last decade
1: I saw that and- that was a that was like whoever d- wrote a lot of that was just literally pulling from like BGG
0: and they missed a lot of good games but that's yeah know, not to the, mention
1: the... not to mention uh as i was i was skimming through it and reading a lot of different things and for terra mystica it was hands down if there's anything you're going to or not for terraforming mars i'm sorry very different uh it was yeah. said hands down if there's anything you're going to buy on this buy t- terraforming mars and i think that like whoa that is stupid i don't yeah, care but like but
0: that doesn't but, but that's not the point yet, right? The point also is that that post got more upvotes on the game Reddit than it did on the board games Reddit.
1: Because we already know.
0: Because, But also because people on the games Reddit are really excited to talk about board games. And people on the board game Reddit are probably more likely to upvote that post on games because they really like the idea of board gaming getting more traction. And this is so important for the medium. Because you, you, you have to realize how big of a deal this is, right? If, because board gaming is going to snowball, essentially because if more people play board games, then there are more people to play board games with. If there are more people to play board games with, then people are going to start looking for larger venues to hold events. So new game cafes and all of this is going to open. And it's such a bigger, more impactful deal than, than this sort of is with video games because if I'm playing, let's say I'm playing Final Fantasy, let's say I'm playing, you know, Final Fantasy three, I don't give a shit if anybody else is playing Final Fantasy three. Well, they're not because I don't because I don't need them to play it, right? I, I don't need them. But for board gaming, you do need them. You need other people around. You need other people in close proximity to play, and because of that, board gaming is going to be this extremely social medium where everyone's talking about it, not just online, but they're trying to reach out and talk to their local communities about it. Because everybody is buying these games, and then they need people to play them with. And then people start seeing more board game stores pop up. That piques more curiosity. And all of a sudden, this is going to snowball out of control. And I think that you know, we are sort of on the cusp of this. I think not even on the cusp, we're already halfway down the hill on this.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like when you're looking at the uh, when I'm looking over at my collection right now, halfway down the hill uh, is a little bit sad to describe that.
0: Like like, when, not even us. I, like, like I don't mean our collections. Dollars. I mean, collectively, the community is getting oh. larger and, and the community getting larger is, is excellent because the community getting larger means you have more people to play with as you play with more people. And you start bringing your games into public places because maybe you're doing some sort of meetup or something like that. You want to, uh, you know, you want to be- meet people up in a public location. Then you're within visibility of other people who might be curious about that, and that's sort of the social aspect of this and the way in which it could snowball. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I-, I agree with you. I mean, and 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 any and anything snowballs just based on the fact that if there are more people getting into it than there's more people, uh, word of mouth, you know, like the, like I feel like a lot of games, uh, kind of hit a critical mass, like, uh, cards against humanity or settlers of Catan or something like that, just through word of mouth that they became very good, like college board games where it showed a lot of, you know, college people that board games, there was still interesting stuff and it wasn't all monopoly and Clue, And, uh, Maybe that will happen in a larger way and maybe like uh, there'll be people, you know, in colleges talking about Scythe or something, I guess. Uh, um...
0: Yeah. So the next question, though, is why now? What happens to make this happen? Uh, Part of me wonders if this was a perfect storm, if it's just like a matter of like where video games are right now where because i think that a lot of the people who are recently getting into board games and maybe this is my own personal bias you know at play here but i think that a lot of the people who are just now getting into board games are coming from video games
1: yeah um i have like a interesting not uh like not it's not the uh, the complete argument here but i feel like so My LTCP knows I play a lot of video games, but I don't really talk to her her that much about video games. And uh, when she says, like, she does that classic uh, thing, you can imagine friends or... loved one doing of like well you know show me something like let's play something together but when i really look at the kind of video games that i'm interested in uh i can't because
0: you don't want to bring out some overcooked too because i bet that would get the ball yeah there's there's some games that are that are
1: couch co-op but but like they're not what What i want life is strange you know i don't know like it's it's we're we're in a place where uh a lot of games moved away from couch co-op and there's still like Nintendo is doing big games with couch co-op. But when I look at a lot of stuff I want to play right now, like if, if I look at like literally the stuff that I play, it's like monster hunter world right now and dragon ball fighters and stuff like that. And that can be couch co-op, but it's a lot of stuff that like usually requires a lot of time investment or MOBAs. MOBAs are obviously not really couch co-op at all. If I want to play like hot or could I, overwatch, could I give
0: you a big, a big reco big yeah. recommendation on couch reco co-op. Me. Streets of Rogue.
1: I know, you've been, yeah, you've been recoing that.
0: That is a hot game. Yeah, I, but I, 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 my, my point
1: is that, like, games have moved away from couch co-op from and split social. screen, and uh, I feel like, like, one thing is that, is that, like, with games becoming less about, uh, like, come over my house and play, and more about, like, okay, I'll meet you on HOTS later, or something, that uh, board games are kind of taking that space, um, back that like couch co-op by literally putting people on uh, a couch sometimes
0: and gaming is also more accessible now and gaming being video gaming, more people are, you know, sort of widely accepting that hobby, but, you know, people might widely accept the hobby, but also think, okay, but video gaming isn't for me. And I think being presented with something tactile and something real, something that they could more easily see, I, I think that's a turn on.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot of other reasons. Like if gaming itself and that concept of like there's something that people like about games and that's like the puzzling aspect or the the competition, the like everyday being able to put like a friend or a loved one into, like, an arena and be able to fight them or something and feel good, but then the other person feel like, well, let's do it again because I'm going to beat you next time. Um, And board games do it in a much different, more accessible way because with video games, obviously, like, you need the hardware or the controllers, and sometimes with stuff like Dragon Ball Fighters or that I'm I'm currently playing, like, I just would never want to play it because it would take, you know, so many, like, dozens and dozens of hours of practice before it would even be fun to, to play together. But with a board game, uh, since it requires, like, in, they almost generally all don't require mechanical skill, um, they're just more, like, thought process and stuff like that that you can eas- more easily teach people than uh, people are ready to go in a couple hours rather than in, like, 100 hours of, like, a fighting game or a MOBA.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. But there's got to be more to it. I mean, I, I feel like,
1: yeah, probably, weirdly enough, out. the biggest... I feel like the biggest contributing factor is... And Perfect Storm is fine, because it's it's probably all these things at once, but I feel like one of the biggest contributing factors is the industry where it's at in general. Because... It, having
0: it, I, so many games to play? I,
1: I don't know. I, I It's almost like a chicken and an egg kind of thing. It almost feels like, like board gamers were readily consuming board
0: gamers or board gamers.
1: Board gamers were readily consuming so many board games and stuff like that that they were slowly, you know, igniting this this fire. And there's more uh, companies and more designers, and the kickstarters are like rapidly coming out. People want that next board game, and they're chasing that next high. And then while that was happening, it created like a gold rush in that industry that is like. Ready to satisfy, you know, like It's like there. It's like this gold rush happened, and then there were suddenly all these people around that were like, "Oh, actually, I really do want gold." If that makes any sense. If if my metaphor, do you know? Only a little. Only a little. I mean, it just it just feels like there was a lot of board games coming out at the same time that have been uh every year. There's been more board games coming out, and now when people, if they're if they're joining in like the way that we were in the beginning of the year, that. There's so much. There's already so much there, and there's so much in the near future, and like there's so much to be excited about right now. And that's kind of the industry as a whole, like with the place it's in, is like it's really glorifying a lot of the designers and creators and artists. And uh, I feel like but, that. But it's that also shows... weird
0: that you just get like uh, you get Vinny Caravella on the Giant Beast cast talking about scythe, and that's that's a new thing. But you know. Is that He's what they're doing played. now? They're
1: they're stealing. They're stealing May August the twenty first. Be with you, and they're also Two stealing different my podcasts.
0: Identity. The same company, but yeah,
1: it's still Giant Bomb, man. And they're still they're 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 eating my lunch. That's how we make money. It's not how we make money.
0: But there is there's got to be more, right? Because I think that there's also specific games that have also turned people onto the industry, like Gloom because. Haber? Like Gloomhaven, because especially as a video gamer, you hear about this game that develops and changes and grows and where you're choosing your own adventure. And I think people want to see it not just from a gameplay aspect, but also from like a curiosity aspect of how does that possibly work? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you, but that was sort of my first thought about Gloomhaven was, how does that possibly work? And it turns out, but the way that it works is with 22 pounds of components
1: (laughs) yeah um but i I, gloomhaven was quite literally both of our kind of touchstone like i earlier in the year played like citadels and had this moment where i was like i want more stuff like that how do you find board games that uh aren't like the ones that your mom and papa played and then i went i found board game geek and number one there was gloomhaven and then watch a shut up and sit down and like all of this at once like the different the the, how the industry had molded itself with like different reviewers and the current games that they're kind of uh selling or like the current games that that the industry holds up are are look really good on the outside like i feel like it's gloomhaven's a pretty easy sell despite the the uh that price tag
0: it is yeah for the amount of hours you get and do you think that also people are just willing to pay more money for physical objects? Like you, you look at the amount of content that you're getting in Gloomhaven, not just from a from a gameplay standpoint, but also from a physical mass standpoint. And if tabletop is your thing, then also from a miniatures standpoint, yeah, the value is there. But at the same time, it's three times more expensive than uh, what you pay for the video game equivalent.
1: Yeah. But the video game equivalent, like I've been saying, it would be something you'd be playing in your room with your friends over Twitch chat or Skype or Discord. It's not important which one you're you're <laughs> you're talking to them over. But I mean, the point is that like with board games, you're you're next to each other, unless you're not. And
0: especially when when you pick up the gold off the floor instead of attacking the the bandit that's going to kill your mind thief, you want that person to be in front of you when when you when you mess them up that way.
1: Yeah. You want to see the look on their face when they when they open that treasure chest that you told them specifically that you really have to open.
0: That's that's the game though, right? And that's sort of the the thing about board games is that there are all these things that happen that if they happened in a video game, they would be so much less interesting because the person that's that's you know causing this for you is not right across the table.
1: And even when they are, like with a video game, you're you're you you're looking directly at a screen, right? In a board game, you're looking at a person. Like there's always yeah, a person to look up from here. the board from, and then there's a face there. Rather than I think I think that does mean something. Like if you're playing, like if you are playing something Couch co you're playing like S- Smash Brothers or something, and you KO a friend, uh, you can look to them directly. But I feel like it's more like everything is more happening on the screen and you're like sitting next to them and looking away from them rather than with a board game where you like look down at the board game and look up at a friend. Uh, I feel like there's, there is something like slightly different and important about that.
0: Yeah. That's why, uh, you know, teabagging became a thing in Halo because you're looking at the screen, not at the other player.
1: We get teabagging and back into board games in real yeah, life. Yeah, we definitely, that, real life that it's more be... powerful.
0: but I don't know, you know, there is something about like the fact that, on your turn you're looking over the other players you're you're talking to them you're you're getting ready to to slam down your cheeky combo and then you just get to get to say well here it is and then it's also kind of cool where in board games where turns are taken when it's your turn all eyes are on you
1: yeah okay so we talked a little bit about
0: do you think that 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 sort of answers the question though as best as we Maybe could i don't think i don't think that there's... That really has like, I don't think it's a tough one <laughs> uh, I don't
1: I don't think that there's like one perfect answer I think it is like a more of a uh, perfect storm kind of thing where it's all these different things that kind of happened at the same time and it was just ready for it um uh, but I do certainly think that we uh, currently can't foresee uh the trajectory I feel like I if I feel like I feel I feel like they're getting bigger but I don't know how big. Um, And I can't really see the trajectory uh, laid out. So I'm interested to see that and to look back in like a year or two and say, like, oh, remember when we when we first got into them and this is the state they were and how much the industry has grown over that short time.
0: And now no one plays them anymore and we're selling all of our games. And
1: yeah, and now and now everyone plays just the Steam version of Scythe.
0: Now everyone is just playing Fortnite, too.
1: Yeah, Fortnite 2 came world. out and, no, and the entire BGG has collapsed. And now every game on the top 100 is Fortnite 2.
0: That's a future I can get into. But, you know, I, I guess this does lead me to my next question because both of us, you know, recently came into board gaming. But we also kind of like different things out of video games. And one thing that I want to figure out is if there's something about the video games that we like that leads us to play the games that we want to play, and I think for me there certainly is. Okay. So let's get into it. So the type of game, the video games that I like to play, and you know this is a discussion that we had last week uh, when I was telling you that I fell off of Yakuza, and I was talking to you about the type of games that I like to play. Now that I've sort of you know found myself and and have sort of just decided okay. There is a type of game that is for me, and there's a type of game that is not for me. And my type of game is a game like Dead Cells, or is a game like Enter the Gungeon, or Monster Hunter World, or Path of Exile. And it's games that offer a lot of options. Essentially, I want games. I want games also that can provide me different experiences from what other people who are playing the same game have. This is also one of the reasons why I'm pretty into Hitman and why I was pretty into Cultist Simulator because, and also games like RimWorld, Slay the Spire, and a lot of the more grindy games even like No Man's Sky because I like to, at some point, experience the game in my own way and see things that maybe other players haven't seen before. And when I play board games, I think that the type of board games that I like are ones that allow me to sort of custom tailor my strategy for that specific game. So that does include things like Millennium Blades. And Millennium Blades is probably the best example of my style of game, where every time I play it, it's going to be completely different. It has these modular sort of events to it, where, uh, for those who don't know, Millennium Blades is a collectible It's an emulation of a collectible card game in which, like, uh, you're also playing the metagame of the card game, Uh, you're buying and opening packs of cards, you're trading with other players, and then you're assembling a deck and competing in a tournament. But when you're setting up the game, what you're also doing is you're choosing which expansions and promo packs are going to be in play for that that effectively three-hour-long campaign. So depending on which expansion packs and promo packs and starter decks you put in, you're going to be experiencing a different game. Yeah, I I mean, I I, I certainly like
1: games that have like randomness to set up.
0: Yeah, that's uh, input randomness. And it's the sort of thing that I also dig in video games uh, and in things that you get with like uh, Dead Cells, where at the start of the game, uh, you get a, a choice between different random weapons. And as you level up, you're sort of running into random weapons, but based on what you find, you're also tailoring the way that you level in the game to it. Uh, with Monster Hunter, I, I like the fact that there's it doesn't have the same randomness, but I do like the fact that there's just 14 different weapons, and because of that, there's different ways to approach it. Monster Hunter has similarities, actually, and, and this is a stretch, but and I realize that, but Monster Hunter makes me feel the same way that I feel when I play Food Chain Magnate. Where I you in food chain magnet you have your opening plays, where there are certain strategies that everyone is going to open with, and it's very similar to chess, where you play your opening, the other player plays their opening, and from there it diverges.
1: Okay, I feel and, like uh I feel like Monster Hunter is more like a Kingdom Death Monster, where uh, you literally go on a hunt with four other people and you fight a thing and then cra- craft items from its corpse. I feel like that's like, that's like a perfect uh, analogy.
0: That's Yeah, that's certainly one way to, to think about it, and that's for sure. And also deck-building games, like like it is the sort of same thing. Uh, essentially, I like to solve puzzles that are not laid out in front of me. Yeah. And a Euro is a puzzle that's laid out in front of you, and Terra Mystica and Gaia Project are puzzles that are laid out in front of you, where at the beginning of the game, you have all the information that you're going to need for most of the game. The only thing that's going to change is that in games like Gaia Project and Terra Mystica, you are sort of lightly responding uh, to the plays of the other players at the table. Or also, based I on, mean, oh, are they, they going to build near me? I'm going to get mana off of that. You know, so they also on have and the so different
1: forth. scoring though. Like you have to change. Like that's right the, in front of you. It's yeah. right
0: out in front of you. Right? I know, it's but that's, that's randomized
1: it. before start. So you're always going to, so you will get a different game. Like you do have perfect information, but you will get a different
0: Absolutely. game. Absolutely. That is perfect information. But in a game like Clank, the information, or Millennium Blades, that's imperfect information. That's, you don't know what's coming up and you need to react on the fly. That is the enter the gungeon dead cell style of how do I interact with this versus a. Uh, you know, Gaia Project is more like Hitman, let's say, where it's this it's, you know, it's a little bit different every time, but the puzzle is sort of if you know how to solve the puzzle, you can solve it, but there's a lot of different ways that you can go about solving the puzzle, and as you get better at it, you can get more clever about the ways that you solve the puzzle.
1: I feel that. I actually like that analogy more than the other one. Uh, I do feel like uh, like it's interesting to say that because Hitman is uh, a per it is a perfect information scenario where uh, like certain things happen and there's certain truths that you don't currently know yet. But if you infinitely bash your head against it, you will learn like timings to things and different quirks. And that's the same way with with uh, with Gaia Project or Teramistico. Where um, it it seems like a lot at first, but you really do have a perfect information you really do have everything you need to know laid out in front of you uh it's all there you just need to kind of like push at the edges of it and learn the systems
0: and you know recently i've been joining a lot of meetups and one of the questions that i always ask you to do to introduce yourself is name your favorite games and i still don't think i'm completely there yet i know that like millennium blades and food chain magnate are my top two but beyond that i have a really hard time choosing like a top 5. Yeah. I find that very challenging.
1: You, you know what i was thinking about it, this is like another this is like another weird conversation. i think it's could like this also like blows the lid off the whole thing is like i really love the experience of board games and i'm you know buying so hard into the industry but when i look back on it it's weird because like i there's there's a lot of like moments that I like, but I don't know if there's like full games that I like in a lot of cases, and that's a really weird thing to say. uh I just feel like there's nothing that uh I can say that like right now I like aggressively want to get it to the table again, kind of you know, like there's a lot of stuff where like I play the game and I enjoy moments of it and have a good time with the people, but then find stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, you know this part of it's not really not that fun or like I don't really there want are it, things I, really that
0: I yeah. There are things that I really want to get to the table again. I really want to always be playing more Millennium Blades, more Food Chain Magnate. But also, I really want to play Gaia Project one more time
1: yeah i want to the guy project is probably one of the ones that has me the most interested like i i really want to play it again and maybe lock out the classes we had originally seen same with ti kind of where where like i do want to play oh, yeah absolutely. ti again I, and like lock out the classes for like a different like a wholly different experience and i and i kind of want the same for guy project i mean guy project i feel like if i uh like spoilers for end of the year because i wanted to do a um completely different because we usually do our end of the year discussions uh i wanted to do a completely different uh board game cast that was like you know uh not limited to games this year just like games that we played this year that left the biggest impact like a top 10 but it was not um limited by what actually came out this year and uh when i'm looking back on it like the stuff that i like the most is probably like Maybe like Food Chain Magnate, like in a weird way, like Food Chain Magnate might have been like the most like fun per moment. Yeah. That I had.
0: And I hope that we play it more because that is one that I, I feel like that's definitely a game that gets better the more you play it. And even guy, with the same yeah. group of people.
1: Well, especially with the same group of people, right? Like it's the kind of thing that like begs you to play it over again with the same group there's certain games that like it's unfortunate because it's really i do need to like do a, a meetup and have regulars and people that i understand that uh are really into it because i currently have like family and friends but i need like people who are like yeah. business like where it's like you know you know the rules to psych. Yes. let's get down
0: I'm, I'm pushing so hard on that right now like i can't even tell you how much i've been putting myself out there over the last few weeks of just like joining meetups, tomorrow I'm going to a meetup. I just joined a Slack channel of board game players. They turned me on to a new store that just opened up in Williamsburg called Carcosa Club, and you actually need a membership for that store. Wowza! Like that's that's how serious they that's are. Where shit. where you either pay ten dollars as a guest to come in and play or you're doing a $30 a month membership, but that $30 a month membership also gives you a discount of 25% off all their retail items. Okay, wow. So it's pretty slick, and it's also a sweet name for a store. It is.
1: That is a really cool name. Yeah, I I feel like there's like it would be crazy to get to an experience or get get to experience a situation where we could drop game i could drop games on a table of people i don't know and be like yeah let's play some scythe and that no one is having to be like uh you know read the rules and uh like that but i'm that, okay
0: with that at, yeah. at the same time like i'm cool with the idea of teaching new players but i'll tell but you that I'm i do so much Monday. of that
1: i do so much of that already
0: on Monday, I am going to the Carcosa Club and I am playing a game of Food Chain Magnate with some perfect strangers, and I'm not bringing my copy. Somebody else is bringing theirs. So at the very least, I know that one player, good to go on the rules. I fear for the third and fourth player if they have never played that game because it is so cutthroat and so vicious. It is uh, really you, aggressively you fun in the beginning. If you haven't played it before... Just like those first two turns of just like, oh, you bought a waitress on the first turn. You You let me do that,
1: asshole. You should have you're 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 sometimes like a terrible like I feel like if I was going to teach someone food chain magnate, I would almost have to first game be like, no, don't do that. Shaking my head at some of the things like watch their hand hovering over cards like, no, don't don't do that, though. Don't do that. That's why you let me buy waitresses. And you just In later
0: games I've also I, I've been cautioning players, and that was before I sort of uh you know had wrapped my head fully around the game. I think that I played with you one of my first games, if not my very first I game. I know, but then after I got I the know, waitresses like
1: further into the game, you're like, and, Yeah, wait buying realized, waitresses is probably the stupidest fucking thing you could have ever done. And I was like, Oh, thank I you. I didn't
0: realize that. I didn't realize that until a few turns after you had done it though. But now I realize I only let new players like if you're a new player I require you to only, essentially, only allowed to buy either recruiting girl or trainer on the first turn. Yeah, but I'm also going to a board game meetup tomorrow, and I'm going to be playing uh, Viticulture among some. Ooh, other things. I've
1: been uh, I've been itching for that one. That's a name that I've certainly heard thrown out a lot. Um, you know, one thing I would want to ask you is, uh, so you've you've been to a lot of different. I haven't really been to this kind of like I've I I've try and get friends and family into board games, but I, I haven't really gone to a place to meet strangers for that kind of thing. Um, what do you feel like is like the overall attitude? And I, I, let me preface this. The reason why I'm asking is that uh, in quite a refreshing way, I don't know if you noticed this or feel free to argue with me uh, in saying this, but I feel like board the board game culture online is probably one of the more Welcoming communities that I've ever experienced. Absolutely. And, um, and you have
0: to realize that board gaming is inherently social. This is, you know, the opposite of video gaming, where you're largely by yourself and you're negative and you're not talking to people. So many of the people who play video games, they're all like, frankly, they have obnoxious personalities. And frankly, I am embarrassed by a lot of bo- uh, video game players. So
1: I, I just I'll, wanted to—I'll just say that, like, so like
0: board um, gamers—they're social, right? They yeah. they get out there; they have to talk to people. That's part of the games that they play. That's part of the thing that interests them. Yeah, but the there, fact there's that also there's
1: also some aspects of board game culture that I think are really gorgeous. Like the, for example, people throw around gatekeeping that terminology a lot. And gatekeeping is when you would possibly say something like, you know, you don't know games if you played, if you're, if you're playing Catan, like that's a bad game. And you, if you Can really,
0: you? Yeah.
1: if you really knew how to play games, you would be playing Castles of Burgundy and,
0: and it's not about gatekeeping in, because in board game, we have another term, right? We have the gateway. Yeah. So I just think it's interesting
1: because like like for a community, I think that's very uh, a lot of other communities are more like elitist and like well you you have to know to be accepted. You have to like be born with the innate knowledge of this piece of like media. but with board games, I feel like there is an overall and I even stop myself sometimes when people are when when I read things or hear people like I I, I my uh, LtCP. For example, just got a uh, new uh, just got someone to uh live in her house with her. So she has like a roommate basically. Like she's like renting out another room. And um I ate uh dinner with them yesterday with uh the my LTCP's new roommate and her boyfriend. So um my LTCP Priya was like had said to them i guess that i was like huge nerd burglar so that so like they were both kind of like you know like i heard you like are a big nerd like what kind of nerd shit do you do so like they wanted to like poke at like you know what video games do you play and nerd and board game stuff and uh they're some
0: sort of like animal in a zoo
1: yeah like but i you know i i i think it was it was a it might sound like that but it really wasn't didn't come off like that but but anyway uh they were like uh they were like i said you know the I had heard that you recently went to a board game night. Like, what did you play there? And they said, Oh, you know, like taboo and exploding kittens and, um, uh, cards against humanity. And,
0: and, and so they played party games in any, in any, like any other, distinction, an right?
1: In any other context, I would say kind of like in a lot of other things, like I would want to jump out and, you know, be like, Oh, those are, you know, those are real shit. I don't, you know, I don't get, I don't, you know, touch that filth. I don't play exploding kittens. But it kind of made me like, like you know what you're you're experiencing it a little bit. Like, and I even t- I don't like Catan. Yeah. And I told them like, and oh, I have think... you heard of Catan? Like, should I bring over Catan? Because I feel like it's another it's another step on that uh, to like, here's how you can you you you're at exploding kittens level, and I want to get you to Catan level, even though I don't like it that much. And then we'll talk further about stuff. So we ended up playing Villainous with There's them. There's anyway, something
0: but... in between that though, right? Because it's like, oh, you like exploding kittens. Maybe you would like this other card game villainous
1: and then we played that together
0: and how was it was that did you did you gateway them
1: they picked up on it pretty quickly uh the roommate ended up winning um with
0: probably i'm surprised i'm surprised that you're not in a situation where you know the game inside and outside so hard that you just like crush people
1: yeah um i was playing what we have come to found, find is the absolute worst character. And I'm just trying to Which make the character him. work. Uh, Prince John sucks complete horse shit, but, uh, well, horse that, that makes sense. Uh, Prince That's John. Fair. So, so like Prince John, probably if, if if I, at a cursory glance of the game, all the villains have their own uh, asymmetrical objective, and Prince John's objective is gain 20 power. Uh, so that seems really basic, and then when you look at his his setup, you know, it's like an action selection kind of game where you're going to these different areas. Um, one of his areas, which cannot be blocked by enemies, gets him uh, 3 power, so he kind of, like, looks at a, at a base level, like how could you not win with this game, this character? He's so simple. Like the other characters have a lot of ways you can like, you know, stymie them. And I just, the more we play this game, the more I feel like it's like nearly impossible to win with Prince John. It's just so difficult. His deck is like so stacked against him. It's so easy to screw with his game plan. Um, But, but it's also an interesting, weird thing because uh, now that we've played seriously like 20 plus hours of villainous, uh, I, I want to play Prince, prince john every single time we play because it feels like i like want to win with this character so badly but anyway the the uh, roommate one with what i think might be the best character in the game queen of hearts uh queen of hearts like her cards her fate deck which is like the counter deck uh doesn't play that well against her and she can win very very quickly and it's very hard to deal with how her game plan progresses but um we helped the roommate to make good plays and understand the game as we were going. And I think that they had a pretty good time. They seemed very happy, but, you know, you don't. I don't know how, like, maybe... I feel like a lot of things uh, are you let them play at the one time, and they say, like, oh, yeah, that was an interesting uh, experience. And that maybe in, you know, a couple days or a week... That they say, you know, remember that game Villainous we played? How, how about you break that out again? And then, you know, now they understand the rules and they can start to get a little bit deeper. And then yeah, sure. you get them get, and that's how you or, gateway them. Or
0: maybe them. they just say, hey, what's that big game on your on your shelf there, Gloomhaven? What's that?
1: Yeah, um, I had a big. Of course, ask. They're not, I had. But they're not there, looking
0: Gloomhaven. at your. They're not looking at your shelf though because they don't. They're not in your house. Yeah, where do you keep all your games?
1: Uh, in my closet. I have a open closet now that I've uh. Like it, it, almost looks like a Calax, actually. Like it's like a weird closet that I have. But um, uh, yeah, like it, it. I I go, I feel like we we went weirdly away from the topic. But my my, I was just more talking about how, uh, I have been a member of Reddit. Uh, which i i don't like reddit overall uh i really don't like the conversations had on reddit and reddit also is also like obviously a uh hive mind and kind of like an echo chamber because of the whole uh upvoting and downvoting system where you kind of just downvote people just inherently downvote ideas that go against the overall subs uh emotion and uh in all my time. So I'm getting the, I'm like three years of Reddit and then plus another like two or three years before that, yeah. where I, I didn't sign up for it. Um, and I, I have, saw
0: you posting recently. I saw you, uh, commenting. I saw your name pop up in a thread about buying board games at target.
1: Oh yeah. I was talking about villainous actually. Yeah. Uh, but my, my point was like, and it, you're actually kind of, that is kind of what I'm talking about right here. And that is that, uh, in the, in on board game geek and on the uh board gaming subreddit i feel like it's the it's weirdly enough the only community i've ever been in on like an online community that has actual discussion and it's like it's real critical discussion and there's no like attacking people um uh, like i will you know like, like people can write out a thoughtful post, and then someone else will comment and maybe possibly, like, critique it or break down, like, why they think you're wrong. But I think that there's, like, this weirdly refreshing thing that, at the end of the day, people kind of all, like, shake hands at the end of, like, well, you know, I may not agree with what your opinions are, or what you want to play, but... Uh, I think we're all, you know, a part of this culture and, like, let's, we can, we can both agree on that. And there's some, there's this weirdly satisfying thing about that, that, like, uh, I I can actually post something there and then have tons of people comment on it and ask questions and want a write-up and then people, and then I can write that up and then people will say, well, that really wasn't my experience and here's a counter-argument to that. And then instead of, like, the immediate reaction of, like, well, downvote them to hell for, you know, disagreeing with me and, like, them, you know, personally attacking me, like, well, you don't know shit if you like villainous. Um, there's, like, an actual good argument against it and, like, well, here's, you know, my experience of it and it's n- it's not been quite as good as yours, apparently. I really like that. I really appreciate that. And what I was kind of asking, what I mean to ask is that, does that extend out into the culture uh, when you're physically? Like, are people as welcoming and is like, you know, we'll work through this together. Like that you try and learn a new board game and that people, you know, give you the time and teach you. And
0: yeah, well, and and do you think also, I I, I haven't been to enough meetups to say, because so far the only ones that I've gone to thus far are at like 20 sided store and they typically cultivate like a really friendly crowd. Um, and tomorrow I'm going to my first meetup outside of there. It's actually just going to be at a gastro pub in Long Island City. Uh, but I feel like maybe there is a bit of hive minding because I imagine that if somebody is continually like a pain in the ass, they might not get invited back. Is that hive minding? In, what, what, what does that
1: mean? Like a pain in the ass regarding what rules? It could or... be like
0: a, a sore loser. They could... They, they could be one of the people who, like, bends the components or mistreats things. There's a lot of ways to be sore. Well, that I don't like, but in, that's not necessarily,
1: game. like, that's not opinion-based. Those are just, like, you're, you know, not respecting someone else's, uh, like, actual physical components.
0: Or t- uh, yeah, yeah. Or time if you're like being a sore loser. I, I do feel like I
1: do. I do feel like that it, it's important to have a diverse cast at a table for a board game for that to be interesting, because like you are uh when, when we played TI, which I think was one of the most important uh, experiences to have a diverse group of people, um you were playing a role and kind of being an asshole and you were purposely doing and saying some things to uh like you know, create other arguments or make people uncomfortable with like the current game and stuff like that. And I think that's like an important thing, almost really, to have. Like in a good board game, you kind of want like someone who is like the the villain and someone who is like you know always so nice that they like don't win games because they just don't know when to really hurt someone and stuff like that. You like no, want all I these different people. You want all these different personalities, though. I feel like you want like a lot of different personalities and you want a lot of different play styles. Uh, Coming at a single game, you know, like I, I like the idea of, of like the groups we've had. That just makes
0: me think about Root, like when you say that, when you think about like these different styles, just makes me wish Root had shipped already.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm looking at my phone every day.
0: So, what kind of games do you think that there's like a style of board game that you really appreciate, and do you think that they somehow line up to your sort of preferences on video games? Um,
1: that is a, such a complex question because I feel like I'm playing a lot of different games. Like when, when I, when I look at the games that like have consistently made it to like the table in my friend groups and it's like villainous, blood rage, Gloomhaven, um, citadels, like it, it kind of like the, the genres break down a lot and it's hard to say what I individually like. I mean, I talk a lot about legacy on this podcast and I guess that's something that I would like is like, uh, being a fan of board game or being a fan of video games, a lot of video games are about the reward of putting in time and getting a reward back and, uh, having everything you do remembered, um, and recorded. And that's why something like Gloomhaven would have initially appealed to me because it, it is not a, uh game like you know what i would have what i would have said at the time is like it's not like monopoly or something where when monopoly is over and it's just over but i've kind of moved on from thinking about that uh after playing so many different types of games to kind of feeling like some of the games that i'm currently the most excited with are like some of the heavier games like i, I really like the like if if i the, the games that have like given me the strongest reactions this year were like Gaia Project and Food Chain Magnate Um, I think because like, I want to see myself or other people, um, uh, really going through the puzzles and the, like, you know, the engine building and to like, get that feeling even like vicariously that, uh, you know, all these different synergies are happening at the same time and just like feel satisfied off of that. I feel like that's kind of like more what I'm currently trending to is like different, like larger, like a, like a huge puzzle where you create all these synergies that work in your, uh, favor.
0: You know, I, I would have expected you to sort of bring up maybe a comparison between, uh, villainous and fighting games.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, that, like, there is a good comparison to it. And, uh, I feel like villainous is really interesting. Like, I I feel like I still don't understand it. I feel like, uh, that as I play it, my understanding of what the game is has changed with every time I've sit, sat down. Um, and I wonder where my thoughts on it will eventually go. Uh, I feel like as an overall package, first of all, it's really cheap. Uh, and with the amount of time I put into it, I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. But um, that every time I've sat down, uh, understanding the game more to the point where like I know almost every bit of card text and like i could tell you like the costs, the power values like the different texts and stuff on it and like uh, uh that the game has like taken on a weird different life that it really is like so much a game of like um holding your important cards to certain breakpoints to making to make sure that the other person that really knows the game doesn't affect one card that you're afraid of them affecting and like it really is more of like a fighting game. It really is like you're you're almost like throwing out pokes in that sense. Like you're almost like you know the frame data and you're like throwing out pokes to try and bait someone into doing something that they think is the right time the right move at that right time to just like counter it.
0: Have you thought about maybe picking up like Battle Con or Exceed or one of these games that
1: Um, I wanna play that with you. I feel like I, I I really under I I really want to see what your I'm I cannot wait to see what your opinion of Villainous is when you play it because I, I I it can really strongly go in a lot of different ways but I, I think that at the end of the day you're gonna have a, a a meh a kind of reaction to it that I don't know if in a game or two you'll entirely see what's cool about it or maybe you will and you'll tell me the day afterwards that you're still thinking about Villainous because I know that's how I was.
0: Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm I, I'm not sure how I'll feel about it, but at this point, I've also got so many games on my shelf that I've got to play uh, that I still haven't. I haven't played Aeon's End. I haven't played um, what's the game? Broom Service.
1: Oh yes, yeah, I keep trying to get Broom Service out. And I, I haven't I have,
0: played Aeon's End. Uh, my current
1: completely unplayed are... I've had Risk Legacy for a while. I haven't played that because I'm too deep into other legacies. I bought Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which isn't that big of a deal because I'm almost done with Pandemic uh, Season 1. Um, I have not played Secrets. Um, I have not played Castles of Burgundy or Broom Service and everything else I think I've played. Uh, you know,
0: Castles of Burgundy uh, is great at 2. I, that's two so I the, hear preferred way to play it
1: that's weird that's weird because it's a big you know like economy building kind of game but it's almost like a more technical version of Catan, where you're you know overseeing different areas and getting different resources from the areas and all this kind of stuff seems weird to like play best at two players because you're building
0: it's more interactive i think because you can pay more attention to what the other player is doing and it makes it a little easier to block what they're doing to sort of interact with them
1: Okay, um, I I feel like if the the way that you're t- you're talking about it, it would make me feel like I would probably just rather play Gaia Project. I don't think that they're like fully the same thing, but it, they're they're kind of like engine building games where you don't necessarily like fully interact with their person. You just kind of tangentially... there's no engine
0: building and there's no engine in Castles of Burgundy. Okay, I thought there was. No, no engine. Okay. Uh, mostly it's just like a. It's more of like a economy tableau it's like it's the de facto euro and not all euros are uh engine builder but it's also i think it's more accessible and i think that it's something that you could use to uh, use as a stepping stone to get someone into heavier games
1: really it seemed kind of complicated when i was reading the rules but
0: no there's really only two things you do on a turn
1: all right maybe i'll you did you get that
0: i did not Okay, uh, so if we were gonna play it to on Thursday
1: or something, I'd have to bring it. But I do want to try out Broom Service because it seems pretty interesting. Um, there's some cool mechanics yeah. with Broom Service. There, I don't know if you've read much into it, but it's got that whole uh, cowardly and her, like what heroic, the, the brave, brave action. Yeah. So like, Broom Service is this. I don't. I cannot possibly for all the reading of the manual. I cannot possibly understand or like watching videos. I cannot possibly understand how this works in uh like an actual game but the idea of it is like you're like picking cards from this uh non like the symmetrical deck that every single person has um and choosing which actions you want to take per turn and you can take a brave action um in which case you take like a you can take like a very powerful action but it it goes around the table and people who have that same card are allowed to also take the brave action and if they take the, if they say they'll take the brave action, then you lose the chance. But then the next person over can say, "I will also take the brave action." So it becomes this like domino effect. Or you can take the cowardly action, which gives you much less reward but cannot be ruined. And so the game become like seems like it has this interesting, like almost uh card game mechanic of like what are other people ho- people people holding? Uh, how long do I wait to like? drop a certain action, do I do the Brave or the Cowardly action? There's some cool things there. Um,
0: yeah, that could be cool.
1: I, more than anything, though, I do want to get another uh, Gaia project uh, with three-plus players, and I want to ban certain races.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what Thursday looks like. There's going to be... Uh, I don't know if you can get Praia to come, but we've got at least two other players who can join in otherwise.
1: Um, I feel like I want to be this bug race that has this thing called the Mind Stone that I almost lost at your house. And the Mind Stone is, as far as I understand, uh, a single power node worth three power. So if you're thinking about it like you're, you know, you you cycle two power and you can cycle a power and the Mind Stone, which meant that you cycled four power overall for the cost of two.
0: Uh, I guess one of my last questions for you is that the deal with games? I guess so. I really wanted
1: to talk more about Fenris, but I, I haven't really experienced anything with it. Uh, the production value is like Stonemaier Games is always like really kills it on the production value. Uh, all I've really gotten a chance to do is open up the box. Uh, everything is covered in spoilers and tells you to look away. So you pretty much don't see anything if you don't want to just look at the components you're allowed to just look at the modules and if you want if you're not interested in the story but i kind of really am uh, i ended up reading a six-page thing about the lore of scythe and how uh nikola tesla created the factory and uh made these mechs and sold it to everybody but then kept the best mechs for himself and uh kind of i guess foreshadows some of the things that might happen or might not happen um so I don't really know, but there's a lot of boxes in there. There's a lot of uh, tuck boxes that are secret in that uh, in that old box there. Um, some of them look really really interesting, and I, I can't wait to see. I don't I, I don't know if like I don't know how I'm gonna experience this. I might have to do this like solo um, because I'm just going through too many legacies uh, at the moment, and that like I don't really know anyone else that has that uh, affinity for sight that I have, and I want to have a good experience with it. So I wanted you know go through the campaign at my leisure. Um, so I might have to go through that solo. Uh, would you be interested in, like, hearing about the components after I do that? Is that, like, a big spoiler for you? Or, you know, do you I just... don't
0: know that I'm, like, so gung-ho about Scythe that I would consider anything a spoiler.
1: Okay. Um, so I will... Uh, I'm, I'm interested to play more, and maybe by Thursday I can possibly bring over, like, Scythe and some of the unlocked modules um I yeah I like I said uh I've heard uh some big talk on these modules so I am very excited to dig into that it's obviously like different factions right
0: i I have no idea I guess we'll we'll
1: find out huh you know you know what I keep thinking uh so this is not a spoiler because I technically have not seen it yet so if I'm totally right then I just guessed right but um I feel like one of the modules is gonna be, a uh massive all-powerful mech that sits on the factory and that the first person to claim the factory gets control of this like all-powerful amazing mech which would raise their like mechs and heroes up to six um and maybe it's like also stronger than that i think that would be a cool i think that like with everything that i've heard from different reviewers and and different write-ups that uh this rise of fenris aims to kind of uh complete everything in the overall scythe puzzle and i feel like one thing that i noticed is that going to the factory is not all that important but it's kind of it it should be more important for people to want to fight over the first to be the factory so maybe having something like a big massive mech that like adds to your army if you go there to the, the first time then um that would be really cool and that would add a big thing to make people want to fight more so we'll see. We'll see. I that will tell you about that thing. next week.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have so much gaming going on within, you know, the next couple of days. Uh, tomorrow board games, Thursday board games, Friday board games, possibly a uh, I might be doing like a small meetup meeting one new player over the weekend because i uh, you know, in addition to doing these like uh, board game meetups, one thing that I'm also looking to do is I'm looking to add people into my own personal fold of like people who I can text if I want to play a board game during the day. Uh, and sort of just like it's easier for me to bust out Millennium Blades on my own table than it is for me to bring that big ass box down to a pub to play it there. For sure. So over the weekend, I plan to maybe meet one or two new people just like around town, grab lunch with them or something and, you know, see if uh, see if they're cool. And then on Monday, I'm going over to the uh, to that other new place and uh, playing Food Chain Magnate. Have you noticed how much this is basically
1: dating online dating that you're doing?
0: uh, I didn't because I don't know a lot of people who do dating in groups of 30.
1: Well, you haven't met the right people.
0: Maybe I'm not in the right meetups, but I'm excited.
1: I'm excited for you. Um, I should be doing that on my end.
0: Well, there's plenty of uh, seats in Long Island City, which is where I'll be going tomorrow.
1: Long Island City is kind of hard even though to get to, even though I'm on Long Island, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, for me, it's a 17-minute uh, trip from my uh, work, or it's a 40-minute trip from my home. I imagine that it's about the same for you. Yeah. 40 minutes. But, you know, as it turns out, Long Island City is actually on the farthest part away of Long Island. It's pretty much as west as you can get before you hit Manhattan.
1: It's a dumb name.
0: Absolutely. Take Uh, us home. So that is the deal with games. uh, You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter, at sign WTDGpodcast.com itunes what's the deal with games where you can rate comment and subscribe to the show
1: thank you ryan galway and crying for the use of your music we use the intro and outro revive off the new album beyond fleeting gales you can find them at their rum for cover band camp um and uh, at the end of the day
0: at the end of the day well this just in
1: nikola tesla in smash brothers have you heard
0: i've heard what if you open a scythe box and it's just Nikola Tesla
1: like a like a little figurine of Nikola Tesla or do you mean physically and he it's has a, it's like a shrunken down for some strange reason alive Nikola Tesla
0: I feel like that would make the whole package a little more expensive if that were the case
1: uh you know what we'll see because uh, Stonemeyer is really known for their components and they spare no no Expense, So maybe there is a physical human being cloned version of Nikola Tesla shrunken down to be small enough to fit inside of Tuck's box, uh, you know, eating away at a, you know, large cheese wheel, or like a baby bell, I assume. Like, it's cute because it's like he's a little shrunken man and, he, and he's he got this uh, cheese wheel that's massive in uh, comparison to eat away at. Uh, but he's basically waiting for you to open them up and then, you know, pick him up like little Indian in the cupboard, you know. I, was that a racist movie
0: i don't know anymore
1: i guess it was called indian in the cupboard and it was a uh, not an actual
0: it was indian person it was a native
1: american so and as it hasn't aged well but you know what i still think about it all the time it was a beautiful beautiful movie
0: and maybe that's good enough thanks ryan
1: thank you james goodbye